Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney E. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast for ESPN. We are previewing a big round seven of AFL football, although it only seems like about five minutes since round six finished. Of course, a massive Anzac Day game at the MCG between Essendon and Collingwood. Uh, wow, what a crowd. The second biggest home and away crowd in football history. Biggest Anzac Day crowd ever. And an epic game to go along with it. As I say, a uh, very good morning to my co-host, Mr. Rodney Eade. How are you, Rocket? Very good, thanks, Rowan. How are you? You're a little bit disappointed with the Bombers on Tuesday with their, their end. I know as a supporter you probably would be, but I, I think they showed some very good signs. I think there's I think there's blue skies ahead for the Bombers. I, you know, they've got a tough month ahead now, but I think in the future, like the end of this year and, and certainly next year or two, I think um, I think there's some real positive signs. No, no, I couldn't agree more. And in fact, I, I said as much on a, another podcast um, I did a bit for uh, last night. I think if you'd said to most Essendon people at this stage of a season to be four and two and uh, for things to be as well consistent, I think, as they've been, uh, most would take that every day of the week. You're right. They've certainly got a, a tough run coming up with um, uh, Geelong this week with three days extra rest and then Port and then Brisbane and then Richmond. But uh, I think the big picture is pretty good. And uh, look, this isn't the Essendon show. Hats off to the Pies for a great comeback. 28 points down, three-quarter time. Um, geez, they're good to watch the Pies, aren't they? They are. They they do move the ball well. But they do defend well, um, generally. Um, but but they must have a higher belief. Let me talk about the mental side of it. Everyone says they've got a strong belief, and they have. But they must have good fitness as well. Their ability to... To run, I thought towards the end of the second quarter they look as if they're running over the top of Essendon. Then the halftime break came, gave them a chance to regroup, and their third quarter was good Essendon. But in the end, they just they just ran out of legs. You can tell that Jake Stringer's not fit enough, and some other guys just. And I think it's probably a combination of maybe a few pre-seasons where maybe they haven't worked hard enough, and they're just trying to rectify that. And it probably won't be till next year, the year after, that they'll start to pick up that slack. I think you're spot on. I, I interviewed Steel Sidebottom after the game and, uh, you know, the fact that a 32-year-old in his 15th season, the way he ran out that game, he had a massive last quarter. Uh, he was talking about their their fitness and uh, they've got a real belief they can uh, they can run over the top of anyone. I know St Kilda are the same. It's a good discussion point. We might actually do this in more detail in another show. But uh, we've got nine games to preview. We've got plenty of news to talk about as well. So let's do that right now. On Footyology Newsfeed. Well, Rocket, a couple of big news stories which uh, we've been speculating about for so long, but it looks like uh, we're going to get answers finally to uh, two of the uh, most eagerly anticipated questions being answered we've had in footy for a long time. One, uh, will Tasmania get an AFL team? The answer appears to be yes, and a new stadium to boot. Two, uh, are we going to hear the name of a new AFL CEO? And it appears those two things might even happen simultaneously. Let's start talking about uh, your old stomping ground, Tasmania. And it uh, uh, looks like the uh, – I'm, I'm not sure the sequence of events, what that will be, but uh, it appears like the federal government has all but signed off on – committing uh, from its part $240 million to the building 
of a new stadium worth $715 million at Macquarie Point in Hobart. And that will house, we're told, a new Tasmanian team, probably likely to be called the Devils, you'd think. And uh, the anticipated start for that team is 2027. Now, we'll get to all the detail in a minute, but as a a proud Tasmanian rocket, must be a very happy day for you. Oh, for sure. I think it's I think it's great news now. It's obviously been a long time coming. Um, footy in Tassie's on the way, even though it's a home, you know, it's a heartland, um, you know, generated a lot of uh, uh, footballers over the years, but also a great deal of support. It is on the way. Participation rates are down. Local competition teams are folding. So it'll be the boost for that. I'm more concerned about that, if that's the right phrase. I'm more concerned about how it's set up that helps local football, local communities, um, helps the whole of Tasmania, just not. I just don't want it to be a, an AFL team that's transplanted to Hobart and plays out of Hobart or plays out of Launceston. I want it to be a Tasmanian, a team that's owned by the Tasmanians and it's for Tasmania. So hopefully it's set up because Tassie has got its own unique set of challenges and circumstances. Different, you know, obviously the geography and you know the three main areas where football's played and a whole range of different other things. So hopefully it can be set up the right way. And um, you no, know, no, I think it would be a great fillip for the state. Well, a bit more detail. Um, this is again nothing has been confirmed here, but we're told that uh, the breakup of the eleven home games would be seven games to be played at the new stadium at Macquarie Point and four in Launceston. Um, I think the There'd be a couple of one, maybe two years where the team would play at those existing grounds of um, UTAS Stadium or York Park in Launceston and Bell Reef, Oval and Hobart while the new ground is being built. Uh, that split up of the monies, by the way, for um, people with uh, an interest in politics, $240 million by the federal government, $375 million from the state government. Uh, $85 million in borrowings, and the AFL, whose stadium it'll be, basically, chipping in $15 million. So they got yeah. off pretty lightly, didn't they? Oh, it's very good choice or something, isn't it? It's uh, <laughs> marvellous. that They demanded the stadium, and they give, they give $15 mil. Um Yeah, it doesn't seem, uh, doesn't seem right. But, uh, yeah, I think I, I would think that it'll end up, end up costing the Tasmanian taxpayers and the Tasmanian government a lot more. I think they're putting 90 towards a high-performance stadium. Uh, Centre as well, so there's another 90 mil, and I think any shortfall and whatever they'll have to come up with. So, really, the Tassie government could be 500 mil plus. Um, totally. this, is, this is an issue because I mean, we've both got I've got family in Tasmania as well, and I know there's been quite a bit of blowback about yes, the, yeah. the viability of a new stadium. In fact, I've told a, a, an opinion poll on this last year where fewer than half. Tasmanians polled supported the building of a new stadium. So, I mean, does that have the capacity to sort of be a thorn in the side of a new club? Not so much the new club, but it could be politically, I suppose. And I'm not right into politics like yourself, Rowan. But um, I think there has been even some footy people are, are questioning, um, you know, can the money be better spent somewhere else? Uh, I think economically it's going to be a boon for the state, there's no doubt. And if they build the stadium correctly, which I'm sure they will, like there's no conference centre in Hobart that can house more than a 1,000 people. So they build a conference centre within the stadium. They'll make a stadium so they can have concerts, maybe have a drop-in pitch for cricket, whatever the case. There's And plenty of other sports. So they're, 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 you know, there's plenty of ways to get the money back. But apart from the 
uh, economy of people going there for tourism. You know, I think in the end, it could pay itself a long way down the track. But initially, it's going to be a lot of money up front, um, which uh, I, to answer your question, I think there has been a bit of blowback. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where the voters uh, go to and what their view is um, at the end. But Albanese has said that part of the build, there's got to be some housing or accommodation, isn't there, for for, uh, for low socioeconomics? Is that the right phrase? I don't know. But is is that, and I think a few other things around there have got to be built to maximise the area. What about um, just from a footy perspective? Are you confident there's enough talent uh, in the pool to sustain a, a 19th and perhaps down the track even a 20th AFL team? Well, I said a while ago, and I, I think what I've heard, this may be the case, what the AFL are doing. I think all list sizes will cut back by two. So therefore, 18 teams, there's 36 players. So therefore, therefore the pool of players will be the same. That's what I'm hearing. Okay. okay. So therefore, for a 19th side, the talent pool will be exactly the same. It'll just be mm. a spread across 19 teams. So when it gets to the 20th team, I don't know whether that whether that changes the game and take another two off or whatever, I don't know. But that's what I'm hearing uh, might be one of the... Uh, but they've got to get that through the AFLPA and all that. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, toing and froing to go forward from here. Twenty teams. I mean, I love the concept of of sides, you know, in Tassie, and then by extension, one in the Northern Territory as well. But uh, twenty ga- uh, twenty sorry, twenty teams and ten games per week. Gee, it's a lot, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, whether that's probably they're trying to cultivate the Thursday night market and. Uh, yeah, it's interesting how they how they would juggle that. Um, what it is, I mean, if there's going to be a twentieth team, that'll still be another ten years away minimum, won't it? Um, yeah, yeah. So it uh, might not be our problem, Rocket. No, it'll be someone else's. <laughs> we issue, might be but, pushing uh, up daisies. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I mean, no, the Tassie, they're saying for Tassie to be in in twenty twenty seven. That's a lot shorter than I thought in four years' time to get it set up, uh, but also recruiting. They'd have to appoint some staff soon, um, whether, you know, someone to run it initially in any way, to, to, and then some recruiters and identify what the rules are and be able to target players and get that uh, all that into – and marketing. Uh, there's no doubt for sponsorship and different stuff. So so there's a fair bit of work to in a short space of time. You interested? In what? Marketing. Anything to do with it. <laughs> um, c- certainly interested to, to help and assist in any way possible, whether it's just advice or whether it's just my thoughts. Um, that's that's fine. But certainly, I think I think there'll be a lot of us who uh, who are Tasmanians who live on the mainland and, and now and have been involved in the AFL would love to help him in some way. There'll be a lot of people like to assist. Well, certainly a lot of goodwill towards it, no doubt about that. All right, let's move on. Um, Andrew Dillon, now the overwhelming favourite to replace Gil McLaughlin as AFL CEO, more than a year after Gil announced his resignation. What a circus this has turned into. Um, very interesting few accounts of the toings and froings in the meantime. Richard Gord, of a commission chairman, trying to get Gil to, to stay on and uh, hold his hand, it appears. Um, various people have waxed and waned as favourites. A couple of weeks ago, we were all talking about Kylie Watson-Wheeler and it appeared Richard Goyder was on a mission to appoint uh, the first female CEO, but apparently that was uh, sort of vetoed by the commission, 4-3, the vote there. And and now, all, after all this time, it's the guy sitting literally across the corridor from Gil 
who's going to get the job. Now, Andrew Dillon, for those that aren't familiar with his background, um, a very good amateur footballer. I think he played in six premierships with old Zavs, played for Victoria, joined the AFL as a, a lawyer in 2000, uh, currently the AFL general counsel and also the general manager of football operations. Pretty decent bloke from my dealings with him, Rocket, and I think pretty uh, well regarded in club circles. What's what's your take on him? Oh, for sure. that He's a good person. I think he's very highly respected and regarded in club land. I think he's even liked. Wow. <laughs> uh, which, which, which is a difficult uh, position to get to. But uh, yeah, I think he's uh, obviously very... Uh, more than capable and very intelligent guy who knows footy inside out. Um, but he works he works well with clubs. So I, I think from a club land, I think uh, I think they would see it as a very good appointment. It's probably in flavour a continuation of of Gill. Really, I'm not saying. Uh, he, I think Andrew might be a bit more nuts and bolts footy orientated than Gill, but. You know, Gil was always able to deal pretty smoothly with clubs, wasn't he? It's, it certainly was, it hasn't been an antagonistic relationship. And no. Andrew Dillon would be more of the same. Yeah, I think so. And, and Andrew's uh, dealt with clubs on a number of contentious issues in the background. Um, and he's done that very well. Um, and he's very even keeled, very even minded about it um, to, to be able to get the right resolution. Um, so I think from that aspect now, but obviously jumping into the is a big chair that uh, creates its own range of pressures, I suppose. But I'm, um, but I'm sure he can handle that. He might not uh, have the same sort of pizzazz that uh, the incumbent bloke in that position uh, brought to his media profile, i.e., playing polo and dressing in wacky outfits, and you know what? Maybe he can create a shtick to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, th- I think Andrew's a fairly uh, behind the scenes guy, so uh, him to be front and centre will be foreign to him. But he's been in the media a little bit, but he's certainly he's certainly not one that covets it. To put it that way. Well, I think that'll suit a lot of people as well. We prefer the focus actually be on the football. Speaking of which, um, let's finish off our new segment this week with uh, well, a bit of a sign off on the Antac Day game, but through the uh, wow, the you-can't-miss-him visage of young Nick Dacos, the Anzac Day medalist. Um, impressive young man, so articulate, so level-headed. And in terms of his performance, wow, 40 disposals, kicked two goals in the last quarter in the Pies' comeback, another incredible game. And uh, people talking seriously about um, where he stands in his 30 games to date uh, in the pantheon of greats as anyone put together a better first 30 games than he has. It's, it's been phenomenal, hasn't it, really? It has, and because he's had the attention, certainly towards the end of last year, and he got tagged by young Ryan Clark, uh, Sydney, um, and he had a, you know, certainly nullified him to a certain degree. So they set the blueprint, but teams haven't been able to do that this year. So he's he's gone to another level already. As we know, uh, his output's extraordinary, but his ability to win the ball like the people... The knockers, and you know, we're great on Australia to knock anyone that's on the way up or at the top, and certainly getting some of that. But uh, his contested balls are pretty good. He his ability, his high footy IQ, his ability to make a quick decision under real pressure. I saw one on the weekend where he gave it to Pendlebury. I reckon it was a three-inch handball, and then got one back the same, and then all of a sudden he's into space like. Both of them being able to read that situation. Most players, and I'd say 99%, would be tackled. 
Um, but he was able to cut a path through. He, his ability to know when to get rid of the ball, um, what to do with it, that left foot, he got a mark on the half four in that last quarter and just wheeled around on his left foot. And I think he might have hit Elliot. I'm not too sure who it was. But it's just a, a well way to kick over the top of an Essendon player. So everything he does is is fantastic. Um, their ability to throw him in the middle or up forward like he was in the last quarter is great. And even that last mark that McCreary took, Dacos was running next to him. And actually they touched arms. So so he could have very easily have marked that as well and ended up with three. So he's, as Jack Dye would say, he's certainly not where the ball ain't. He's, he's where the ball is, isn't he? Well, he's well, all the time. Well, I wanted to ask you too about his ability to get into space. Now, the the naysayers have gone on about, oh, you know, he gets a lot of easy, uncontested touches. Well, he gets a lot of easy, uncontested touches because of his work rate and his capacity to find space. He, he does, and he, he, he reads the game so well, and he gets there. But he does win his own ball, and it's there to be won. He, he, he can win it. He's uh, He sees the game extremely well. So I don't think that's a knock on him at all. I think... Um, I think it's really now up to the opposition how they can, whether they can nullify him, but whether they can decrease his his input or his output, sorry, uh, his effectiveness on the game. I think that's where a team should aim for. It's probably not the amount of possessions, but his his ability to uh, hit a target or do something with the ball. I saw uh, his old man in the rooms after the game, happy as ever that uh, A, the Pies had got up and B, his, his boy had played well again, but... Uh, as I shook his hand, I did say, "Sorry, mate. What's your name again?" <laughs> you would have taken that, okay, Peter? Wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. But uh, wow, what what a family! I mean, just the. I mean, Josh too. Like, were it not for Nick, Josh would probably be getting a lot more plaudits than he does because he's a very smooth, skillful yeah, footballer. Yeah, and, and as another, well. another guy, yeah, very smooth mover, and another good kick. I just can't emphasise you have guys who can kick the footy and his ability to make good decisions as well. So he's um, you know taken a longer path, obviously, but I think he got games under under Nathan and he you know he, he was up and down as you expect, mate. He sort of trod the path of what most youngsters do. But he's he last year was his breakout year and he's and he's continued that form. I think they found the right spot for him on a wing. Uh, he's smart, he can use the ball well. So um yeah, he's he's warmth been he's been really good. I think he's averaging nearly thirty a week anyway, which is very high numbers. So, so I think uh, I think you'd have to tip your lid to both of them. You know, both of them went really well. Now, just the last one on on Nick Dacos. If you were uh, coming up against him this week after what he's done so far this season, a would you be considering a hard tag on him? And b would you be looking at everyone else and going, well, why haven't they been able to stop him? And how am I going to stop him? I think uh, teams, and I think even Ross Lyon made the comment after in a cryptic way, he said, oh, well, he won't do that again to us. Meaning, I think he backed system over over going for a tag. And I think the tags come back in a bit this year, um, which is great, I think. You know, Setterfield on Oliver, and there's been teams that have done that. Uh, Neil's copped it a bit. And I think if you can negate to a certain degree, the most effective player for the opposition. It's got to help. It's got to help your chances of winning. I can't see why. And you don't really muck your system up too much, to be honest, because that main player is still going to want to get the ball. He's not going to run out uh, too often to run blind leads to create space for someone else. He's going to want to get the ball. So to answer your question on Dacos, I would, you'd have to have some, uh, Contingencies. I'd have a I'd have a half forward that would tag him, a hard tag like Ryan Clark did for Sydney. Mm. That you just sit on him. 
even if you don't like he's getting at 40 in the weekend, but say he's averaging 30 to 35, if you can bring that down to 28, mm. but also he's kicking efficiency from 90% to 70%. He, so he's effective. So you're nullifying his effectiveness. He's still going to get a lot of the ball because he's such a good player, but you're still making a bit more rushed. Uh, maybe a player hanging off him, whatever the case may be. And he's still going to get his kicks from fullback. I mean, they add up as well. When the, that's one thing. That's one of my next bugbear, Ron. They should not count the disposal for a person who kicks in. Oh, you, you, and, you and Kane Corn, so he's been. Oh, yeah. I just, I think it's garbage. But anyway, um, and then have someone, if he goes forward, not that if that player like a Ryan Clark doesn't suit to go in the midfield, because if he goes in the midfield with him, that has, and he's not a good enough player, a bit like Drew did with. Bontempelli the other week. I thought the Bulldogs made the wrong mistake. They took Bontempelli out. Mm. Um, if they'd left him in, that means um, Port Adelaide only had two good midfielders. Drew wasn't going to get the ball. Mm. Bontempelli wouldn't get, instead of 10, might get six or five, but there's still a win for them. So if you go with Dacos and you go with a player who's not going to get the ball, you're actually got one player down the midfield. So you have another player with him, so a good player who can run. And then as a forward, you probably have your defender to, okay, let's not play system here. You just lock onto him. So I think you can tag him, but I don't think you're going to get him down to 12 possessions. It's about what you want to get out, nullify his effectiveness with the use of the ball and probably cut seven or eight possessions off him. Well, you said tagging's come back. Have the guys that have been allocated that role on him thus far just not been good enough? Well, the only one that's been really uh, exemplified was Jones of Port Adelaide. Mm. Every other team looks like they haven't. Stringer tried to buffet him at the start of the game. Whether that was the one he wanted to go, and I thought he might be get, able to get off Dacos. But in the end, you can see Stringer can run. He was, he was a victim of the lack of fitness in the end. So you, you've got to pick him up. I think it's just a lockdown. It's like Ben Keyes is doing for, for Adelaide. Did mm. it on Saab the other week. He's the type of player when they play Adelaide, which is this week, we're interested to see what happens there, what Nick's does. I think Keys will go to him to start with and see what happens. All right. Well, we can uh, get uh, drilled down on that a bit deeper when we get to that going to preview. Fascinating uh, speculation anyway. All right. That is enough news for this week. It is another massive weekend of games coming up. Let's talk about them in some detail. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Round seven kicks off on Friday evening with uh, what should be a cracking game, 7.50pm at Marvel Stadium and is between St Kilda on top of the ladder with a 5-1 record against Port Adelaide, who are sixth but are starting to look pretty good. They are sixth at the moment, 4-2 after having beaten West Coast last weekend. Now, some interesting numbers here on uh, how they go against each other and at the venue. Port has won 11 of its last 12 games against the Saints. They've really had a stranglehold on them. That record goes back to 2012. Last time, it was a very close game. It was uh, up in Kazali sta- in Cairns at Kazali Stadium, and the power got up by one point. That was round seven last year. Um at Marvel Stadium, how to Port Fair? Well, really well, as well as any other side that doesn't have it as a home ground. In fact, they've won their last seven games there. Uh, St Kilda pretty good there too of late, of course. They've won 10 of 16 at home since 2022. We'll talk about uh, injuries because there's quite a few for both sides. But what are your initial thoughts on this one? Um, yeah, my initial thoughts, it'll be closer than people think. I, I... 
I think Port is starting to play the football that we thought at the start of the year, um, that they were capable of. Um, my only worry with them is I don't think they're a very quick side. And I think the pace of St Kilda, my initial thoughts, the pace of St Kilda in the end, the running power, will be uh, one that will get them up, get the Saints over the line. I think uh, you know, they, had, uh, they had a couple of injury concerns last week. Port, some players might get back. Um but my initial thought was Steele back last week would be better for the run. Membry's back. Uh, they're just starting to get some some players back that have the option of Billings. He played in the in the VFL. Um, so, but yeah, I just like the way St Kilda go about it. Like they defend, like for instance, like their ability to get back or willingness to get back in the forward in the back fifty. I know on mass, they, it's the old flooding. They just flood straight away. But also they've got a system and a method to be able to get that out of the back 50. So uh, it's interesting for tight sides how they use the ball going inside uh, their own 50 rather than get beaten on turnover. Um, but uh, and my initial thought is the Saints running power will get them over. Yeah, well, that just on those comments about their, their fitness, um, we did a fascinating interview on 3OW with Mason Wood after the win over Carlton. He was talking about how hard this preseason had been in terms of the the uh the load and he talked about a lot of high speed running um and he felt like that had them really prepared to to be able to cover the territory they do and watching them live as i got to last sunday you really notice just how much hard running up and down the ground all of them do it's like funny i've been watching uh that show ted lasso rocket i don't know if you're a fan but yeah. Uh, last night's episode, they were talking about total football that the Dutch played uh, yeah. back in the 70s with Johan Cruyff. Right. And yeah. you sort of feel like this is an AFL version of total football. Yeah. And I think, you know, the way teams have been prepared is went through a bit of a cycle about six, seven years ago, maybe a bit longer. It was it started to come in about all the training with the footballs, even your fitness workers with the balls. And I think it now it's flipped back a bit that St Kilda... Uh, Collingwood are one as well. They just do a lot of hard running to to give the base of your fitness. Um, so put the Ks into the legs and then do that high intensity, run the repeat high intensities, uh, maybe a bit of hill work, all that sort of thing. So therefore, then when they go in, and they still do ball at the same time, they just don't do as much early on. So they get this fitness base um, and it serves them well. I've got no doubt that uh, these two teams are the best two running teams in the competition. Well, the numbers around the footy and uh, the numbers flooding back into Carlton's forward 50, uh, watching it live, like I said, it was really, really noticeable. Uh, let's talk about personnel. Now, you mentioned Jack Steele and Tim Membry coming back for the, the Saints last week. Uh, Zach Jones, still about a week away, but getting closer. And uh, the big one, Max King, um, still probably a month away. Gee, that's... Uh, that's been a tough one. That shoulder reconstruction won't be ready until after the halfway point of the season. Uh, and still more beyond that, uh, Nick Caulfield, he's still a couple away. Uh, who else? Uh, Jimmy Webster, uh, three or four weeks with a cheekbone. Starting to come back, though, and uh, good for Ross Lyon to have that personnel available. Port Adelaide, they've been really injury-free, but um, came a cropper on the weekend. Mitch Georgiades uh, confirming... Uh, a serious knee injury, he's going to miss the rest of the season. So that's a big blow for them. Kane Farrell uh, played out the game against the Eagles with a broken cheekbone, but uh, he'll obviously be missing for a couple of weeks at least. Charlie Dixon, he's going to have to 
have a test. They're optimistic he'll come up, and that's obviously a big one for them. And uh, the perpetually injured Orazio Fantasia, the customary three, four weeks away with a quad injury. I shouldn't laugh because uh, he, he's done it pretty tough. And Todd Marshall, still probably a week away with concussion. So, uh, gee, I... Oh, instinctively, I was thinking, gee, Port might be a big chance here, but personnel is going to be an issue for him, particularly up forward, Rocket. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think, uh, I just don't know whether the flooding back that Port have got the talent enough to kick enough goals. I just, I think they've got their system really in in sync, uh, St Kilda. Um, their midfield, you know, obviously Rosie's playing really well. Goes a bit, you know, another you know, Dersma uh, as well, adds a little bit as well. I just don't know if they've got the pace. I do think, you know, St Kilda, they've got the toughness, but St Kilda's speed on the outside with some of their younger players and some of their unheralded players really gives them an opportunity. I think it'll be tight and tough. I think, um, I think Port Adelaide, a pretty good contested side. I think they physically commit themselves to the contest pretty well. And I think they'll make a real contest of it. I just think in the end, it'll be a tight one all day. And I just think St Kilda, in the end, probably the last quarter, will be able to drag away from them. All right, give us a margin. Uh, 13 points. All right, 13 for you. Uh, I was really tempted to go for Port, but I've, I've changed my mind. I'm sticking with the Saints. I think it'll be I think it'll be really close to this, but I'm going for St Kilda by eight points. All right, great start to round seven. Uh, let's talk about the action on Saturday. Hey guys, if you like the Footyology podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney Ede, you'll like the ESPN Footy podcast with myself, Matt Walsh, Jake Michaels and champion data's Christian Jolly as we break down all the big storylines in the AFL. Saturday kicks off at the Gabba, 1.45pm with Brisbane taking on Fremantle, the Lions. Uh, in sixth spot now after beating GWS. They've won their last three games. Fremantle having a pretty ordinary start to the season, 13th, uh, just two wins and four losses. Uh, Brisbane's had the wood in this one, 5-2 against the Dockers since 2017. And Fremantle, like most teams, their record at the Gabba isn't terrific. 1-4, lost 11, and they've lost their last three uh, trips to the Brisbane ground. Their last win there was in 2016. Brisbane, in contrast, as you'd expect, uh, the Gabatois, it is uh, certainly of late. The, uh, Brisbane have won 42 of 49 games on their home ground since the start of 2019. And uh, three of the losses have been in finals. Their record in home and away games is 40 out of 43. So a uh, pretty intimidating venue, probably second only to uh, the Cattery these days as a tough uh, away venue rocket. And that makes the Frio's job even harder than it already was. Yeah, very much so. And I think I think Brisbane are the epitome of the, the home home track favourites. Flat track boy? Yeah, they'll be the fat track boys. They do, they do play well at home. The crowd get behind them. And conversely... Fremantle really showed a flake in this, haven't they? They're really soft underbelly. Um, they seem to be caught up in, or they haven't been caught up with the modern game. Um, mm. They played well last year when they attacked a bit. This year, they just want to defend and even defend with the ball in hand, and it's, it's costing them dearly. They cut, and they seem to be slow. They had a bit of pace last year, and they don't seem to be quick. Going, 
interesting in Jago Mira going in there, who's a really good quality player, but he's not quick. Mm. He's not getting a lot of the ball. You can see why maybe Hawthorne have made the decision they have. And their, their defence was was fantastic and held up really well, but they, they're getting run down. Uh, there's a lot of tackles inside their back 50 that are causing goals for the opposition. And they don't seem to have much fight. And Brayshaw hasn't reached the level he did last year. Sarong's playing quite well. But their midfielders, you know, Darcy had a slow start to the year, starting to come, start to find some form at the moment. But it, there's not enough across the ground. There's too much inconsistency with their players. And I think the method of the way they're moving the ball is costing them dearly. I think also, just on the pace thing, I think a problem for them is that, uh, generally speaking, I reckon their quicker players aren't really among their best players. And no. at the moment, they're not even there. And two names that come to mind there are Travis Collier, who hasn't been there all year. Uh, he's got a calf injury. And uh, Liam Henry's the other one. Uh, he's out with concussion at the moment, but he hasn't done enough when he's been there. So um, yeah. their better players are the the plotters, unfortunately. Yeah, that's right. Swatowski is another one. But but they're, they're in and out players, aren't they? they don't, as you say, they don't yeah. do enough. What they do is like, gee, that's special. But it's maybe... One a quarter, one a half, um, and that's and it's not enough. There's not enough consistency. They seem to back themselves, those players, on on doing the the fancy stuff, but not the not the hard stuff of, of consistency of what the guys in the middle uh, are renowned for. But no, I I can see real. I I worry about because of the flakiness they've shown that the backside could really fall out of them. That you know, could really, I don't know if there's enough fight in that group to be able to come back from this. Yeah, it's interesting. That's that's a damning comment. And uh, look, it doesn't get easier for him on the the goal kicking front. Matt, the perpetually injured Matt Taverner, um, he's had a, a discectomy or a micro discectomy, a serious back injury, and the quote is on him out for the medium to long term. So yeah, they won't be able season. to. Yeah, yeah, they won't be able to rely on him. Nat Fife uh, also perpetually on the sidelines. Um, on that point of Nat Fife, would you, yeah. if you're a club in Melbourne, would you want to take him next year? Oh God, no. No, you wouldn't like it's been it's been bandied around. You no chance you'd want to take him. No. Well he doesn't he, you've got to have someone with a, at least a degree of durability. He just doesn't That's play right. enough. But especially the money that he'd want. Like you yeah. just say, no, I think Frio just stuck with him. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, look, it's uh, it's hard times for the Dockers. Brisbane, uh, in contrast, their injury list uh very, very short at the moment. Darcy Gardner's probably the only one who'd uh not in that twenty-two at the moment who would be. Um, he's expected to return through the VFL this weekend after an adductor injury, but uh, pretty cruisy at the moment, the Lions, and you'd expect them to make short work of this one. Uh, what say you on a, a winner and a margin? Um, I think the Lions are like 37 points. Yeah, look, I, th- I think Frio are, are strong enough defensively to keep the margin down, but I, I just, yeah, they they don't have the firepower to win this one, so I'm going for the Lions as well. Uh, I reckon, let's go 26 points uh, for the Lions at home against the Dockers. All right, uh, first game on the Saturday card done and dusted. There's another Saturday afternoon game too, and it's a, well, depending on where you live, a derby or a derby. Well, this game, uh, once upon a time, was called the Battle of the Bridge. I don't think they're calling it that now. I don't know what this is, the Battle of the Bulge or the 
the Sydney Harbour Bridge couple. Who knows what they call these things? But anyway, you get my drift. It's the two Sydney teams up against each other, the Swans and the Giants. It's at the SCG, 2.10pm. Uh, the Swans, well, they had a shocker last week. Um, their 10th spot now in 3-3 three and three after being smashed by Geelong. 93 points was their biggest loss under John Longmire in, what, 13 seasons? Their biggest loss as a club since 101-point defeat against St Kilda in 1998. Oh, who coached that one? It might have been myself. Yes. I was just thinking that as I was reading it out. Uh, Sorry, we'll gloss over the details. And uh, their three behinds in the second half was their lowest return in a a second half since round 12, 1971. Uh, when they were, of course, the Swans known as South Melbourne playing out of the Lake Oval. GWS, uh, they're doing it tough as well. 12th, uh, 2-4 and four after a 21-point loss to Brisbane in Canberra last week. Overall, Sydney have won 15 of those clashes and the Giants 9. They've played each other three times in finals, all of which have been won by the Giants. The Giants at the SCG have won 4 and lost 6. Um Yes, uh, arguments for both, but uh, not travelling that well either of them at the moment, are they? No, they're not. Um, I mean, it was always going to end up the way it was for Sydney last week. Probably not as much as it was. You'd think the more fight would come from the Swans, but the two McCartans out and Rampy out against Hawkins, Cameron, and then there's Rowan. You know, it's always easy in hindsight. I think John made a mistake by putting Mills at full back. Uh, End up kicking five anyway, and and Mills didn't get the ball through the middle, so it was counter it was counterproductive to be honest. Um, probably time again change that around, uh, but they didn't have many options. Uh, you'd like to maybe you can give us an update too on the thing with, with the ramp is going to be back, but the two McCartan and McCartan Tom McCartan should be back as well. So I think the big loss for GWS is going to be Taylor, who's been the number one defender in the competition. Looks like he's out for an extended period, up to 10 weeks, they reckon, with that hamstring. Yeah. So I think that's a big loss for them. Um, they still re- they are relying on their better players to get them um, up and about and close to. You know, Toby Green and Kelly has had a good season. Cornelio's had a good year. But I think with Taylor not there, I think their defence could be exposed. And uh, I think the Swans, the bounce back factor as well, playing at home, I think they should be able to get the job done. Well, let's talk about personnel because they have been wrecked by injury. Uh, they keep polling up to Fox, Concussed, uh, Roberts, uh, knee injury. They've both been ruled out already. Um, and, well, you wanted an update. Uh, John Longmore is certainly not overly optimistic about the prospect of any of Franklin, Tom McCartan or Rampy coming back this week. That's uh, a bad one for Tom McCartan. That's two games he's missed with concussion. Yeah. So nothing's been really said about that, about, you know, normally you just miss the one game. He missed last week too. And if he's going to miss this week, um, that's a, that's a, that's not a great, uh, that's not a great prognosis for him. Um, no, whether it's the family, whether they take an extra precaution because of what happened to Patty, I'm not too sure. But uh, that'll expose them. That'll, that'll help um, Himmelberg and uh, uh, Hogan. Um, who can, fortunately for Sydney, Hogan can't kick straight, so he's never going to convert. So that's probably not going to be a real threat for him. But uh, Toby Green's another one. Obviously, a person like Ramphia take Toby Green. Um, he's a perfect matchup for him. So that, that'll suit uh, the Giants. So, you know, that gives them a chance if those players aren't in. But I think Taylor out 
uh, certainly, certainly counters out the other end. Well, the other one, uh, of course, they're going to miss is uh, uh, Callan Ward, who's been suspended for that dangerous tackle on Lockie Neal. So they yeah. lose a bit of toughness around the middle as well. And a guy they picked up who I thought would be a, a bit of a help for him, I really like this guy, but he, he hasn't had a look in because he's been injured the whole time, Toby Bedford, the former Melbourne player. So um, he returned in the VFL over the weekend, but you think probably still a few weeks away. And more injuries on top of that too. Phil Davis, he's still a couple of weeks away. Adam Kennedy uh, tore his ACL and he's out now for the season. Um, Daniel Lloyd's got a, a test on a calf injury. Braden Proust, they recruited for the ruck. He's out for another four weeks with a back injury. So uh, not looking good personnel-wise, and they're certainly at a stage in their development where they need all the senior hands on deck at least. So whilst they're both pretty got their, more than their share of injuries, you'd think that uh, serious as the Swans one are, they've got more depth to cover them than the Giants have. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. And I think what's left, I yeah, I, I think they can kick a winning score. I think their height would tailor out. Um, I know the other end, as I mentioned before, I think both tall forwards, if it's a good day, can have a, have a day out. They can kick some goals. But I just think Sydney... Uh, with the character they've got, the bounce back from last week, they need to show something. And playing at home in front of the home crowd, I think they can get the job done. All right, give us a margin. Uh, I won't be too expensive on it because of uh, their injury concerns. I think 15 points. All right, I'm going to go 18 points, but we're both on the same page there. All right, that is uh, Saturday afternoon. There's a twilight game going on in Melbourne. Let's talk about that one. p.m. Marvel Stadium sees the Western Bulldogs taking on Hawthorne. Uh, Doggies starting to build a bit of a head of steam. They're only 11th on the ladder, but back to 3-3 now after a pretty ordinary start to the year. Beat Fremantle in Perth last start. And Hawthorne, 1-5, and and, uh, obviously not looking good in bald win-loss terms, but... They've been so close the last two games now. They've lost their last two games against GWS and Adelaide by a total of just five points. Doggies have had the edge on the Hawks in this one. 4-1, the scoreline between those two since 2019. Uh, Dogs play pretty well at their Marvel home. They've won nine of their last 12 there. Not so much the Hawks. They have lost six of the last seven. Uh, We'll talk personnel shortly, but, uh, well... Superficially, you'd look at this rocket and think, uh, gee, the Hawks have been trying really hard, but uh, Bulldogs are getting on a bit of a roll. They've got to be strong favourites here. Yeah, they do. Um, I think last week we spoke about it, about the Bulldogs' ball movement before, how static it was uh, previously. But they took the game on last week. Uh, They went forward with the ball and moved it so quick, and they looked so much better because they've got some talent forward with the ball. I I couldn't believe that you wouldn't. Not, not even a risk, but get it in there quickly to put the opposition under pressure. And they, they did that last week. And they were a bit more uh, vision-wise better as far as their options. They didn't just didn't bomb the ball to Norton. They hit guys on the lead. They hit guys that were spare. And I think that keeps the back and you know, the opposition defenders honest. Montepelli's um, a star, obviously. He's, he's taken that load in there with Dunkley out. He's spending more time in the midfield. So it's been a win-win for them, I think, in that situation. Um, yeah, I, I think if they can keep moving the ball like they do, because they win it well, the handball's good, as long as it doesn't go around in circles and they go sideways, 
I think they could win this game easily. And I think you, you're right about the, the Hawks. They're on the right track. And they're going to cop some buildings going forward as well because young players, that that will happen. But uh, I think they're showing that they're not far off with improvement, um, albeit during this year and next year. But they're you know, still going to challenge for the finals for a couple of years at least. But um, I think there's some very good signs for the Hawks fans. Well, uh, one encouraging thing for him is probably arguably the guy they've missed the most, Mitch Lewis. Um, he's pushing for his, his first appearance. He uh, had anterior cruciate damage in January. Um, may not come back straight into the seniors. That'll, that'll be an interesting call for them, actually, because uh, I guess if you're talking longer term like Sam Mitchell is, what's the rush? But um, they certainly could have used him up forward, being able to convert a bit more on the scoreboard. So that'll be an interesting one to watch for them. Uh, other uh, selection news for them, well, Jaisa Sarong, he's had uh, pericarditis, quite serious um, heart issue, and he's on the indefinite listed, uh, sorry, indefinite list uh, in terms of injury. Max Lynch, concussion protocol, um, so he will, uh, he's had a bit of a history of that actually. So that's mm, one they'll yes. be keeping an eye on. Um, and that's a bit of a concern, uh, for the doggies. It's Marcus Bonapelli's 200th game. Gee, that's gone quick. Um, what a star he is. I was, as you were talking up then, I was thinking about the, some of his highlights from that game against the Dockers. He was absolutely outstanding and he, he does it all too. And, uh, on the cusp of getting back Bailey Smith to the doggies from, a calf injury, and he's a pretty important part of that midfield setup. Uh, win some, lose some, though. Tom Liberatore, he's in concussion protocols and won't play this week. So Bailey Smith, a big in for them, and Marcus Bonampelli, they love him too. The dogs, as they should. Uh, they they really um, he's a he's a good leader, and they really play for him. I reckon you can see the the love between the uh, the guys in that side for their skipper. Uh, I'm tipping they're going to turn on a pretty good show for him. I think they're going to have an easy win here. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, uh, again, it will be replayed between the years. If they um, had the leash off a bit to take the game on but uh, bring their intensity around the ball, I think they should be able to win comfortably. I think it'll be another learning curve for the Dogs. Oh, sorry, for the Hawks. Um, they're not going to be able to maintain the consistency of effort as young players. They're... They are. They do go up and down. Whether it's a down week, but I still think the dogs got too much talent, and I think they should win fairly comfortably. Just a quick one for Hawks fans. Oh, you know, there are so many young guys running through that lineup now. Um, Blinken, you've sort of missed the introduction of another one. Uh, so far this season, who would you say has been their most promising couple of younger guys? Well, I think young, young, um, young McKenzie looks looks. He's really calm with the ball. Um, yeah. I think he's. He, I think he shows a lot. McDonald shows a bit as well. Um, obviously, Newcombs is in his second or third year, but he's no. He's still in the young, in in the young category. Uh, I think Fergus Green showing a little bit up forward as well. Young, young Mitchell who came in last uh, couple of weeks uh, has shown a bit as well. So I think they've and there's players have been there two and three and four years who still aren't very old. Who like obviously Day we know, but he's been injured and hopefully you know he'll be back this week. Is Looks like he's about to take the mantle over as their number one midfielder. So I think they've got some, you know, some really good stocks and some really good players coming through. All right. Yeah, no, I agree. There's plenty of promise there for them. Uh margin for the doggies for you. Oh, I think they'll win by 31 points. Yes. Uh we're very similar this week. I'm going for the doggies by 36 points, uh, which takes us on to Saturday evening. 
Saturday evening, 7.25, the MCG. We've got Melbourne playing North Melbourne. And the Demons, uh, well, they rebounded pretty well from a surprising loss the other week with the Anzac Day Eve victory over Richmond. That took them to third on the ladder. Uh, North Melbourne starting to struggle now after a couple of early wins. They're 15th and 2-4 and after losing up on the Gold Coast by 43 points. Uh, Melbourne, they've gone 4-1 against North the last five meetings after North had won. And in I tell you what, in the modern game, this is a huge winning streak. North won 17 clashes against Melbourne in a row between 2007 and 2017. The tables have turned, though. Uh, and at the MCG, the Demons have won 13 of their last 18, and the Roos have lost their last six. In fact, the Roos' last win at the MCG all the way back in 2017. Um, geez, Rocket, they're starting to find it pretty tough going uh, up on the Gold Coast last week. Never really looked much of a chance. No, no, I didn't think they would. I think the way they're playing, and I mean, you can never criticise Alistair Clarkson, but they're playing quite an expensive game with not having the talent to be able to execute it. So there's in, so in, in, what, in what way expansive, you mean? Oh, taking the game on and flipping the ball around, over handballing, overusing it. Uh, trying to play a skillful game, a bit like the Collingwood model. About, but a they turn over. Even you know, there's a basic handball last week to Ben McCain. He just drops a ball in front of the defensive goal square, and uh, um, and also their backs are becoming very aggressive in their setup. When the ball goes into your, your forward line, the back line generally comes up what we call squeeze the ground up, squeeze the ground. So it goes, but. They don't seem to be in sync because there's no one right at the back. There's an anchor or a goalkeeper. Just they all push up and then they leave all the space behind. It happened against Brisbane the week before, and they just get exposed. So there's a few things that they need to work on because they're going to turn it over. That's one thing. And we, I said last week going into the game, it'll be a bit slippery because of the because of the humidity and the up there, and and that's what happens. They just turn the ball over, and they, they turn the ball over when it's dry. Uh, let alone when it's a little bit wet. So I think more of the same will happen. Uh, and the Demons, uh, with their talent, can really pounce on a turnover. So um, I think they can really, really hurt them going the other way. Well, one thing that will help the Roos, they're pretty optimistic that Jai Simkin will come back this week after uh, a hand injury. Uh, Cooper Harvey and Lockie Young, who've both been out, they came back through the VFL last weekend. So they're a chance to come in as well. For the Demons, uh, uh, Charlie Spargo still suffering concussion symptoms. Uh, he'll be out for another week. Gee, it's interesting, um, some of the concussion victims. They're not just doing one week on the sidelines. I think it shows in the old days when you, you know, they send your A back out and B, you play next week. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, they didn't even have one minute on the sidelines. They were, they were back on. So uh, fortunately, we're taking those things a bit more seriously. Uh, Christian Salem hasn't had much luck. Uh, he's closing in on a return from a knee injury. Uh, but they're getting back to almost a, a clean bill of health. Uh, the Demons, of course, Gorn, Hibbard, Weaver, Brown, um, all back in harness. Ben Brown came back through the VFL, so uh, we may or may not see him come back this week too. I always think personally they're a, a better side when Ben Brown's in the mix. I think all their highs have come with him in the lineup and kicking goals, so... Him being there would really stretch the Roos' defence. Just on the way they're playing, uh, when you were talking about that expansive style, um, I remember Alistair Clarkson in his first season at Hawthorne, and uh, they were prone to getting beaten up, but they 
they sort of weren't to play a, a quite aggressive attacking style and it, it served them well. It, I guess for a coach, it's sort of a trade-off between learning on the job but potentially copying some real blows to the confidence. Oh, for sure. And, and, and I'm certainly not critical because when I first went to the Bulldogs, we played the same way. We didn't build defence first. We built attack first. Um, and it's more about giving the players confidence. So Alistair may be doing that to say, well, but there's always that demarcation line where the, you make so many mistakes, does that then erode your confidence? So it's a bit of bit of a give and take. So I'm sure that he'll adjust on the run and work that out. But I think it's maybe just trying to get the players some confidence to back themselves and take the game on and touch the footy. Um, and because when it take when it comes off, it you know it looks good. Um, it, you know, it shows they've got some talent. It's just being able to minimise those mistakes. I think if they can minimise those mistakes, it will uh, keep them in games for longer but also then learn how to defend turnover. They're, they're probably not defending turnover as well as some teams. Like a, St Kilda and Collingwood can defend turnover quite well. All right. Uh, well, I think we're both uh, pretty likely to go for Melbourne here. What's your margin? Uh, Melbourne by 45 points. Yep. Uh, close again. I'm going for the Ds to make it an even half century. 50 points. Uh, for me against the Roos uh, Saturday evening at the MCG. And there's another Saturday night game going on on the other side of the continent. Let's chat about that. <laughs> Optus Stadium in Perth is the venue for this one. 7.30pm Eastern Standard Time. West Coast taking on Carlton. Uh, the Eagles second last. 17th on the ladder. 1-5. They lost to Port Adelaide by 40 points last week. And like a few of their defeats of late, they uh, managed to prevent the margin blowing out to an absolute belting at least. Uh, Carlton, 8th spot. And pretty disappointing of late, the Blue Boys. Three wins, two losses and a draw. And it was after a 22-point loss to St Kilda. Um, Carlton, Beat the Eagles by 63 points in Perth, round 17 last year. And that was their first win against the Eagles after seven losses going back to 2015. And the um, formidable Optus Stadium for the Eagles, well, anything but lately because the Eagles can't win anywhere. They've only won two of their last 17 games on their home ground. Uh, Carlton at this venue have won three and lost four. Well, uh, two... Disappointing teams, Rocket. Who was the least disappointing in the last few weeks? The least disappointing? Um, <laughs> I think you can make excuses for the Eagles um, because of uh, personnel. And uh, the week before against Shalom, they did kick 90 points and they've been in games for longer and they look like they're trying to score. Which So I reckon the where teams are at and should be at, I think Carlton have been really disappointing, to be honest. And... And we did say that after when they went into the game two weeks ago and they're undefeated, they still weren't impressive at that stage. They got over the line, but they um, they still weren't impressive. And, and those uh, chickens are coming home to roost the last two weeks have been really flat and uh, not flat, but they're just relying on individuals. They rely on a contested game with Cripps and that in the middle, Hewitt, Kennedy. Then they rely on Kurnow and Mackay to try and do something special. Mackay can't convert, so he, he kicked him one three and three out in the full. And and Kurnow looks like their only viable option. Yeah, no, there's not there's not great connection between the the mids and the uh, and the forward. 
structure. I, I don't get much sense of any sort of specific game style, to be honest. It's, it's sort of a bit of this and a bit of that to me. Let's talk about uh, personnel. Uh, David Cunningham, he's a bit of a forgotten man. He's out for another couple of weeks with a calf injury. Sam Doherty, he's obviously been a, a big loss and he's out for at least another couple. Uh, Jack Martin, two weeks with a calf injury. Um, Motlop, of course, now out suspended, so robs him of pace. Uh, Matt Owies, I think he's more important to them than some people have believed, just that forward line pressure, but he's out for a couple with a hamstring injury. Adam Sard, he's the one they'll be keeping fingers crossed about, and he faces a fitness test to potentially come back from a hamstring injury. Uh, Zach Williams out for the season with a knee. So, uh, gee, They've lost just about all their guys with some decent run about them. They're a bit stodgy as well, aren't they, at the moment? They are. That's the that's the, one of the biggest problems they've got. They are slow. Um, unless they hit targets. Um, it's interesting last week, like like we're heaving it on them. Jack Silvani gets a, 50, a, mark, a free kick and a 50-metre penalty. He has a shot from 15 metres out dead in front and kicks a point. Mm. He kicks a goal there in front. Uh, as always happens, a coach killer. The um, St Kilda went down, kick a goal from that from that kick in. So it's a twelve point turnaround, puts the Saints close to two goals up, and they never look back. And they yeah. win the game easily. So just these moments in games, you've got to be able to take them. And uh, and they, I'm not saying they would have won because I think they would have got run over anyway. But um, yeah, they they are slow. They are relying on some individuals at times to uh, to get, and they play this contested game, which is which is great. But there's more of the footy than contested game. There's there's a whole range of elements. There's pressure on the opposition, which generally they do okay and they defend okay. But uh, I um, like if they don't win this, the jungle drums will beat down at uh, Royal Parade. Uh, it will be they should win. They've got more talent than the Eagles. The Eagles playing at home and they'll take the game on. Well, hopefully they do. It'll give them a chance to win. Um, uh, but you just you just got to stick with Carlton. Um, Albeit that I'm not super confident. Well, when the as you know, when the uh, jungle drums start beating down at Royal Parade, it's generally accompanied by uh, uh, caged Alsatians ready to bounce <laughs> as well. They don't do defeat very well still as a club. I want to talk about the Eagles quickly because, um, you know, we've been critical of them, but one thing they definitely haven't had on their side is luck. Now, here's a tally of their injury list. I can't remember ever seeing an injury list with more names on it than this. 17 is the official count of the list. And I'll just read the surnames. Burgill, Chesser, Cole, Cripps, Edwards, Hewitt, Howe, Hearn, Long, McGovern, Natanui, Ryan, Sheed, Shuey, Williams, Winder and Yo. Yeah, it's probably eight there in their best 22, maybe eight or not. Um, well, but it's still know. a long list. It's still a long list of quality players. Yeah. Uh, you know, Shuey and Yo, and obviously Sheed and Cripps is a goal kicker as well. And Nat Nui looks like he, he might be gone for the year um, with his Achilles. So they're, now they're certainly certainly hurt with injuries. Um, forces them to, now they've had to play kids in the past, but shows you probably their list manager hasn't been great. And we've mentioned that as well, uh, preparing for the future. So I'm interested to see how they, uh, how they go with that. But, um, yeah, I, I think, again, if Carlton bring their pressure and their intensity, the Eagles will make some mistakes because they've got so many kids in their team. That, that's what will happen. There's no doubt. 
they'll kick some goals, they'll pierce through Carlton because of their lack of speed. But I think overall the experience and being able to control Mackay, probably more so Kurnow because at least he converts, um, I I think the Carlton should be able to get up. No, I agree. Uh, incidentally, just on that Eagles list, one guy who may actually be coming back is Shannon Hearn. I'll be very grateful for his composure and decent uh, foot skills uh, back there in defence. I'm with you. I think uh, however much the Blues are, are struggling, um, this won't worry. Well, it will. You know, They'll need to make a point. I think, I don't know, without looking at the numbers, and I could be embarrassed by this, but my impression of them on the road in recent times, is that they they generally go all right. They don't mind a bit of backs to the wall stuff. So yeah, absolutely have to win this one. I think they will. I'm gonna go for the uh, Blues to win this one by twenty eight points. Yeah, I've got them by twenty one. Twenty one points for you. All right, that's the card on Saturday. That leaves three games to round out round seven. Uh, all on the Sabbath. Let's have a chat about them. Well, we talked about an Anzac Day epic, but uh, no time to reflect on that for Essendon, uh, like their opponent Collingwood, because they've got to back up five days later against an opponent that's had three days longer recovery, and that is the Cats, who are working themselves into pretty uh, imposing streak of form. So it's a tough equation for the Bombers. This is at 1.10pm at the MCG. Uh, it's the big country game between these two played every year. Bombers still fourth on the ladder and the Cats, they're in ninth spot now, but on the move after starting the season with three losses. They're now back to 3-3 after that 93-point belting of the Swans. And they've got a pretty imposing record against the Dons too, the Cats. Essendon have won just three and lost 16 against Geelong in a run going all the way back to 2006. Essendon's record at the G is pretty ordinary too, Rocket. They've just won three out of 15 since early 2021. And the Cats' record there, alternately, is pretty good, as it is everywhere. Uh, They've won 14 out of 18 on the G since 2020. Uh, Some personnel news in a sec, but uh, massive challenge to Brad Scott in the coaching sense with three days uh, less of a break. I did ask him at the press conference. I said, have you ever coached in this situation before? And he said, yeah. And I said, how did it go? And he said, not well. Um, yeah, there's no doubt. Five-day break, as Collingwood will have when they go to Adelaide. So, um, And it's imposing to go against a team that's in really good form, um, and their premiers as well, and getting their mojo back. So it's going to be a, a tough they They've got a tough month ahead. Um, they've done exceptionally well so far. One thing, apart from the last quarter capitulation, which I think was due to fitness, nothing else. I think superior fitness from the Pies, um, and that'll come in time. I yeah, I have a bit more trust about Essendon, about their ability to stay in games and not to turn over. Um, I, I think they'll make a contest of this, but I don't think they'll win it. I think that three-day break extra, on the five-day break that they've got themselves, there's not a lot of time to get up after a big game. Um, and I think the opposition they're, they're facing, I think will be too big a challenge for them. And I think the, I think the Cats will win this. Yeah, I think they'll win it too. Personnel, uh, an issue for the Bombers as well. Of course, the existing ones with Peter Wright out until oh, the halfway point, maybe even longer than that. 
Um, uh, who else? Mac Welfi, he's out for uh, a month or so. Zach Merritt, of course, will come back from suspension. But one that almost sort of slipped under people's guards because of just how big Anzac Day was. But Jaden Laverde, uh, quite a serious shoulder injury. He looks like, uh, I don't think we've got an official prognosis on it yet as as we record this, but I'm being told something in the order of eight weeks. And that's a massive blow for their defensive setup because they're, they're not overly strong and not overly tall there anyway. Now, Zach Reed has uh, come back from long-term uh, on on the sidelines and played in the VFL last week, as did Kane Baldwin, who they're trying in defence now. But uh, both of those players, really, pretty raw and pretty unseasoned. Uh, and we're talking about going up against uh, Geelong, the likes of Hawkins and Cameron. So really bad time to lose Laverde. And that's what worries me about the sort of havoc the Geelong forward structure could wreak against them. Yeah, that's right. And obviously Haw- Hawkins played too early. He started the start of the year with no games. And I suppose being a long servant, you know, you put him straight in, but uh, now he's he's starting to get his, his form back, uh, starting to get his fitness, match fitness back. He looked sharp. He's a very smart player, Tom Hawkins. Like, he he can mark one-on-one. He does lead. Um, he's quite unselfish as well. Cameron's obviously a star of the competition. But it's, the, it's those medium-ranked players are the ones that have lifted their game. Myers... Uh, uh, close, uh, Atkins, College Jasmine, all these guys are starting to play. Well, Tom Stewart, obviously, is enormous in defence. Uh, yeah, you just can't see them holding, especially if Cameron gets off the chain. I don't know who they're going to play. I mean, who's got the size to be able to go with Hawkins? So, yeah, I, I can see the Cats winning this one pretty comfortably. Yeah, I think uh, we don't talk about Geelong as being a great running side, but uh, the run of guys like, well, Maxie Holmes, for example, uh, I'm not sure Essendon's got a lot to counter that, really, have they? It's a no, that's right. Um, no, they haven't. And uh, no, the parish was down a little bit last week. Obviously, Merritt back will, will help them. Chill was okay last week. He's 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 had a pretty good season. So faded. Sorry, he faded. Yeah, a lot of them did. He wasn't uh, he wasn't an orphan in that one, but. Uh, now, a few are there. French players, Martin looks okay. Menzi looks okay. He's got some talent there. They look so, you know, they've, you know, they've got some players coming through. But I think the experience and the and the talent, talent of the Cats will get them through pretty easily, I think. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, I think they might this one might win this one reasonably easy as well. I'm going forward to long by 30 points. What do you reckon? Yeah, I had the I had the Cats by 31. 31. Great minds and all that. All right, uh, both going for the Cats in the first game on Saturday, uh, Sunday, sorry. And the second game on the Sunday menu is also in Melbourne, just down the other end of the CBD. 3.20pm Sunday afternoon, Marvel Stadium sees Richmond taking on Gold Coast. And tough times for both of these teams. Richmond 16th now. Just still with just one win for the season and a draw after losing to Melbourne. And Gold Coast 14th. They've only won two. Oh, it did beat North Melbourne, however, last weekend. Uh, the Tigers 7-5 overall against the Suns. But, of course, famously went under in that last meeting up at Carrara, uh, or what was it called then, Metricon Stadium or whatever, uh, after the siren last year in round 17, Noah Anderson kicking the winning goal and breaking Richmond hearts. 
uh, had a Gold Coast go at Docklands. Not terrific, but uh, they've won a few there. They've won eight and lost 24. Uh, don't think uh, Marvel Stadium is Richmond's fondest venue either, though, Rocket. Last time they played there, only managed a draw against Fremantle and uh, lost their four appearances prior to that. So hardly a happy hunting ground for them. Uh, injury, big injury issues for them, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, um, yeah, tough times for the Tigers. And I know what you're going to say here. I tipped this, in the words of Mike Williamson, because you, unlike me, weren't on the Richmond bandwagon at the start of this year. And it looks like you've been proven correct. Yeah, they've certainly been hurt by injuries. I think the biggest one is Tom Lynch. When he plays, it really gives them a chance to win. I think the percentages of him playing and winning are very high. Um, I can't pick this one. I, I find it difficult. On the betting, amazes me. I'm not a betting man, but $1.36 to $3.16. Like, I, I think the Suns can win this. I, I don't know if I'll pick them, but I reckon it'll be really close. I, you know, Richmond were, were pretty good last week for three quarters. They um, on Monday night they were okay. They had a plan to go in. They executed that plan pretty well. Goal had ground ball goals. Um, didn't allow Lieber and May to mark it. Uh, so if they have a plan and they execute it really well, it gives them a chance. Now they they haven't lost by a lot, a lot, or they've faded in last quarters. So they've been thereabouts. You, you probably have to pick them because it's their last roll. If they don't win this, they won't make the eight. They, they have no chance of making that. And, some people probably say they won't make it anyway. But they need to beat the Suns. The Suns only beat North Melbourne last week, but they did it professionally. Um, they did what they had to do, won a, won a quite an easy game. And they, and like the Tigers, they've been in most games as well. So they would come to Marvel. They play pretty well at Marvel. I, I, they certainly give themselves a chance. Miller out. I know we've got to go through the the uh, the middle. That's a big loss for them. Uh, they have they don't bat deep in the midfield, so it leaves it to Raul and Anderson. Gives the Tigers a bit more chance. So um, I will make my mind up after I hear the injury update, Rowan. Well, you did steal my thunder a bit there because I was going to say I I can't think of a player who means more to his side than Took Miller does to the Suns. In fact, I'd go so far as to say they can't win without him um, now. Uh, the time frame still to be confirmed, but he's going to be out for some time. A lateral meniscus tear they're talking about. What to, I'll ask Dr. Reid, what's your usual prognosis on that? Um, well, what they normally do now, they like to do with those is sew them up um, for long-term future for arthritis for the player. So looking after the player's care, like clubs will probably want to take it out and come back within three weeks. Yeah. But if, he's, if they're going to stitch it up and an invasive surgery, that'll he'll get Good six, good six weeks, maybe eight. Wow. Um, okay. Um, but that's probably what they're waiting for the time frame, or it might be a bit more serious than the same, and they uh, just want to get all their ducks in a row before they come out and say. So he might have a lengthy stint on the sidelines. But he is. I, I always think that he's probably equal to me to Jared Witts. Jared Witts is super important to them. I know they played some rucks and oil and sure when he was out, but they still lost both games. Mm. And so I reckon Miller is a better player and probably equally as important. He's probably their best player. Um, a hard two-way run um, in and under, like we know Rowell is, but Rowell struggles to get back the other way of it. Anderson's a very talented player, but they don't have many other midfielders, so it'll be a big loss for them. Well, you know what? You, you mentioned Winch for Richmond. He's the obvious one, and 
not far from the only one, of course. Uh, who else are we talking about there? Josh Gibkiss, he's been out for a while now. Toby Nankervis, ditto. Well, he got injured when Lynch did. Uh, Ivan Soldo on the way back, but still out. Robbie Tarrant, we may not see again. Uh, indefinite, he's listed us now with a, a hip injury. They are hopeful of getting uh, Jack Graham back. And Nathan Broad's the other one after that four-game suspension. He's available to play this weekend too. But the one I think that could hurt them, I know I keep saying this about this guy, but I reckon Morris Rioli Jr. is pretty important to the Tigers with his speed and his tackling and pressure. And he did a hammy pretty late in that game against Melbourne and uh, could be out for several weeks. So I think they'll really miss him. Uh, beyond this game, I think they'll really miss him you know, for however long he's out. Yeah, for sure. No, he does offer. Because they used to be, when they're the house owners, uh, those three and four years, they, they, there was their speed in their forward line, Butler, Castagna, and they, they had three or four of them. Uh, they've lost that a bit. Yeah. Um, lost that a fair bit. Be honest, and Rioli gives that gives that back. Yeah, um, no, I Bol- uh, yeah. Bolton probably doesn't give them the pressure, but it gives them a bit of spark as I speed the forward line. Um, but I think if Jack Graham gets back, I think that just again adds weight to Miller being out. Um, broader being, I think what you're saying there with the injury list, and if it works out that way, I think the Tigers can win in a close one. Yeah, same. Uh, give us a margin. Seven points. Seven points, yep. I think it'll be reasonably tight as well. I'm going for the Tigers by 12 points, uh, which leaves one game on the card. And uh, as this round starts with a big game, so it concludes with another pretty big game. Let's have a chat about it. The last game of round seven is at Adelaide Oval, 4.40pm Eastern Standard Time. It is Adelaide taking on Collingwood. And as we mentioned before, a bit of a difference in preparation here. The Pies, uh, five-day break for them after Anzac Day. Uh, the Crows, it will be the full seven days. They played uh, Hawthorne down in Launceston last Sunday. Uh, starting to look pretty good. Just got over the line, the Crows, though, against the Hawks. They're fifth on the ladder now and 4-2. Uh, Collingwood second on the ladder after that famous win over the Bombers. How they shape up against each other? Well, the Pies have won the last six against the Crows and had a draw. Adelaide's last win against Collingwood was all the way back in 2016. How do they go at Adelaide Oval, Collingwood? Uh, not too bad. They've won their last six games there, no less, after losing their first four. Now, their last defeat at Adelaide Oval was back in 2017. Uh, still got some... Uh, Big injuries, of course, literally to their tall players, which we'll talk about shortly. But again, uh, preparation, a real issue in this one. Rocket, how are you seeing it? Another one that's, what, the last game is very difficult to pick. I would pick Collingwood, and probably still will, um, with a lot of confidence, except the five-day break. I think that will suit the suit the Crows. The Crows, six days, uh, I think. Um, no, seven. They seven, played they played on, on Sunday. Sunday. Sorry, yeah. yeah. So that gives them a bit of advantage. They didn't play that well. I thought Hawthorne dismantled them to a certain degree, didn't allow their run um, and blocked up their kicking skills. So I think Collingwood's pressure will, will do the same. Um, Adelaide's forward line uh, is very talented, but they didn't allow, Hawthorne didn't allow them the, the access. So um, now if Walker can get on top, Fogarty was was limping a bit last week. Phil Thorpe hasn't hasn't taken strides. I think he's he's been a bit disappointing, to be honest. Um, 
But Rankin looks a talent, obviously, as we know. He kicked that second-last goal to give them the, the chance to win the game. Uh, their midfield's quite strong. To me, the question mark is how will Adelaide play? And I'm, they're still young. They're going to be inconsistent. So there's still the question mark on that, to be honest. Uh, there's no question mark for me about Collingwood. I, Even with a five-day break, I still think they've got enough armory and enough talent. Pendlebury, you know, you'll probably fill that out as well. It's probably still a question mark. I'll probably make a decision right at the death knock. But uh, I, Adams may be back. So I, I think I think the Pies will win this one. Yes. Well, let's talk about personnel. Uh, you mentioned Scott Pendlebury got that uh, nasty poke in the eye. Um, I think the word was he was seeing three of everything for a while after that game. Uh, wow, that could be uh, uh, inconvenient, let's say. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> they'll... They'll leave that one uh, till as close as possible to start time. Uh, Murphy expected to return against Adelaide after missing Anzac Day due to concussion. And the other ones we know about, and they're basically a lot of tall guys, Darcy Cameron, still at least a month away, Mason Cox, uh, nasty spleen injury. Um, Still not a bit unclear about the potential timeline on that return as well. Uh, Jeremy Howe, of course, it's shocking arm injury, uh, McStay, finger injury, probably a, at least another two months for him. Uh, so there's not many tours there. Oh, Pat Wapinski, uh, the other one, he got injured in that first game, didn't he? Shoulder injury for him, or pre-season it was, wasn't it? Uh, seven weeks at, uh, still for him. So um, some long-term injuries there for the Pies, who uh, well they may do in the ruck. In, in fact, uh, Young, I'm not going to do it. Billy okay. Frampton uh, actually went okay against the Bomber duo and um, had a big test of him, though, up against Riley O'Brien. Do you see that as being a key battle? Yeah, I do. I think O'Brien's been in good form. But Frampton, I thought, yeah, I thought especially Draper, but Phillips were on top of him for the first three quarters. But I thought he showed a fair bit of ticker, actually, the last quarter, Frampton. Um, Did he uh, thought- show them the way? <laughs> well, he showed Collingwood the way. But he took that contested mark early in the last quarter to get their first goal. Um, he got a few possessions. I, I was, as a coach, he'd be really thrilled with his perseverance, his ability to, even though he was getting beaten at times, was to was to stick at it. And then he helped turn the game. So I think it was a, a, it was a really good sign. And obviously got support in Johnson. Kruger didn't do a lot, which we didn't expect. Obviously, it was a it was a hail mary really bringing him back after one game. We hadn't played for a long time. Dropped that easy mark. Then he got replaced. Young Will Kelly showed a little bit when he came on. Um, yeah, uh, I think uh, I think they'd be loving what Frampton's doing at the moment. But O'Brien can give them first access. He does just not hit the ball forward. He can direct the footy, so um, he likes to be aggressive. So it'd be a challenge for Frampton this week. You know, one thing really going in Adelaide's favour here is their injury list or, or lack thereof. One player on it at the moment, that's Hugh Bond. Uh, but basically... A, a full list of uh, of players to choose from. So that's a real plus for them. And um, I don't know. I, I just I, I know Collingwood's been very good defensively, but uh, gee, Adelaide are so chock full of tall talent in that forward setup. I just it's going to click one day for them, isn't it? Well, it did against Carlton. They played really well and moved the ball quickly. Uh, Walker, I think Walker kicked four last week as well. So Walker seems to have a bit of resurgence, which is fantastic to see. Fogarty looks as though he's nipping in there at the end, even though when he kicked that last goal. And as I said, Phil Thorpe is the third tour, but he he's not a threat at the moment. 
uh, I don't think Collingwood would be worried too much about him. It's probably more the ground level guys on top of that, Rankin and Michelle and these guys. Keys has been kicking a, a couple of week as a defending forward. And my my mind, no doubt, he'll go to he'll go to Dacos. He'll go to Dacos um, and try and shut him down um, and do the best he can. You know, he's done a good job on Saad. He's done a few jobs on other guys as forward, so he knows how to play the role. He can even go in the midfield with him because he's been a midfielder himself. So that gives him that flexibility to be able to change that. A uh, really tough call, this one, for me. Who are you leaning to? Yeah, it is a tough call. I've got a question mark on Adelaide still. I mean, they're a young side, and they they could get it all together this week and win easy. That's, you know, Collingwood coming off five days. I just feel Collingwood on the road do really well on the road. I just think they win in a close one by nine points. All right. Well, this is the one game this round on which we differ. Uh, but again, toss of the coin. I, I And I tend to agree with you. But I just think, you know, the Pies, it, it took a monumental 25 minutes of footy to get over the line against Essendon. Now they, five days break, road trip, side that plays well at home, massive home crowd, blah, blah, blah. I just think... This is a big one for the Crows. If they can win this one, they'll they'll get so much confidence and momentum out of it. I reckon they'll be really souped up for it. Even even then, I think they're just going to get over the line. But I'm going for Adelaide to win this one by six points. And let's hope it's a ripper. I think it all points to being a really entertaining game of footy and another great round of footy. Rocket, I'm you enjoying this season? I'm really enjoying this. Yeah, season. it's good. It's good. I think what it's shown is. Like St Kilda on top and Collingwood second, but you still don't think they're that far ahead of the pack or really ahead of the pack. It's it's quite even. Probably the bottom two or three are starting to uh, come to the fore. But even said that Hawthorne, you know, can challenge teams. So it'll be a, a season of upsets and uh, teams that will uh, knock each other off and make it a very even competition, which is great. Absolutely, and we will be here every week to uh, fill you in on the latest and preview all the games for you. Good luck to your side, everyone, this week in what should be a terrific round of footy. And uh, we'll catch you again in a week's time. See you later.